welcome to the Net British podcast. Net British supports wool that's been grown, spun or dyed in the UK. I'm your host Louise Scully and on today's episode we have a very special interview with Carrie Westerman recorded live in the podcast lounge at Edinburgh Yarn Festival. This was recorded on the Sunday morning on the second day of the Edinburgh Yarn Festival and we had a live audience who were also on hand to ask Carrie some questions, some very probing. The interview was prefaced by a trunk show by Carrie where people got to see her designs up, up close and personal and try some of them on and it was really it was a really lovely morning. So I will pop up again before the end of this episode with some very exciting pattern release news from Carrie and you won't want to miss that. So without further ado, grab a whip, grab a drink and imagine yourself on the sofa in the podcast lounge, enjoying the chat with Carrie. Good. I've got caffeine. I'm happy. I'm with knitters. All knitting. Good. Day two, Edinburgh Yarn Festival, mm-hmm. and I'm very privileged to have on the couch Miss Westerman. Woohoo! Great applause, please, everybody. How are you? I am fantastic, actually. I'm having such a great time here. I am exhausted. <laughs> Got a thousand yard stare, like most people here, but it's it's buzzing and it's absolutely amazing, yes. Talk about your first day yesterday, what did you get up to? Um, I had a surprise pop-up store with lots of samples and lots of people came and said hello. see a lot of faces here as well, I recognise. And um, then I was teaching in the afternoon and then I went to the cabaret. Your class, was it the beading class that you did? It was the beading class. Did you have lots of people beading for the first time? Yes, I did. But they were all so good that, um, yeah, they finished way beyond time. And it was just, I can throw more stuff at you. And people were like, no, no, we just want (laughs) to chill. We just want to relax. Today, I'm doing a bit more of a hardcore class. Mm -hmm. Not to scare anybody, but it's going to be a bit more full on. You're doing continental? I'm doing continental knitting and I've got 18 people. So that's going to be quite massive. <laughs> We've got some people in the background. There's a, there's a pop-up bit, yeah. portrait studio in the background, so you might hear a lot of cheeses. Um, you have some patterns, and you have your beautiful designs with you in the podcast lounge today. And you've just recently re-released the Proserpine shawl. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? It was originally designed for Knit Now magazine. Um, they were doing an arts and crafts um, issue, and Kate Heppel, who's the editor, was talking to me about whether or not I want to write an article about arts and crafts and I was like, yes please, it's, it's something I'm quite passionate about, so truth through materials, taking you know, great pride in artistic qualities, craftsmanship of an item and it's something I'm really passionable about, so I said yes please and then we started talking about, started talking about doing designing and I came up with the idea of the proserpine pattern inspired by a painter and writer called Dante Gabriel Rossetti who's got a famous painting called Proserpine and it's inspired by that and I chose to do quite a large section of hand dyed because I, I felt it was important to actually show the craftsmanship and the work that hand dyers put into their yarns so it's actually something that showcases the yarn as much as it showcases you and your skill as a knitter. Quite right too considering it's Triskelion yarns it's isn't Triskelion it? It's yarns. And hand dyeing is a total art. That's just a beautiful shot. And then this was custom dyed for you as well, it wasn't it? It was custom dyed. It was, it was dyed a colour inspired by a tile 
uh, that's in the Victorian, Victorian Albert Museum. Um, so again, arts and crafts, Victoriana. That's uh, just right up your street. It is, yes. Last time we talked on the podcast then, you were just on the cusp of releasing the first pattern in your sort of year-long, quite relaxed collection mm-hmm. on authors and artists. Yes. And that was the Biotrol. Yes. And that has been, really, you've seen quite a few of them here, haven't um, you? I'm seeing quite a few of them right here, actually. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it's it's been all over the marketplace as well. It's been really, really nice to see. Um, and it's it's just one of those patterns that I, I did because I was really inspired and intrigued by a novelist and inspired by her use of sort of Art Nouveau motifs and I, I chose beautiful hand-dyed yarn and people seem to have enjoyed it because a lot of knitters have those one-off skeins in your stashes and it's quite difficult to know what to do with them and, and a one skein shawl can quite often end up being too small. Yeah. So I, I chose to, to combine two skeins and just showcase again the, the skill of a hand dyer. And there's been some fantastic um, colour combinations. Yes. Some really fantastic, because yours was done in Old Maiden Aunt. Mm-hmm. Then Helen has done, Helen at Ripple's Crafts done mm-hmm. one in a sort of blue and sort of a, a, a lime yellow, yeah. which just the pop on that is unbelievable. And it really does showcase yeah. those. It is really just to go into your stash and consider what you got, because that's, again, something I've been thinking about a lot this year, because I have a lot of yarn and I have a lot of sort of small amounts of yarn I don't really know what to do with so yeah so is that going to be sort of illustrative of the rest of the authors and artists then are we going to see lots of sort of very special one skein um no not so much um it is quite a relaxed project insofar as with something like Doggerland it took me a long time to get the yarn right to get the design vocabulary right and I planned everything out and authors and artists are going to be a lot more relaxed there's not going to be really a unifying theme in, yard, sort of in terms of yarns or colours. Uh, what is going to be quite uh, special is that it's all going to be female artists and or female authors because I think working in a female-centric industry, it's it's nice to celebrate those who yeah. inspire us. Yeah. yeah. So we've had Bayat. Do we have any indication of what we might have next or is it just a secret? It's You're not- good at keeping secrets from me. Uh. <laughs> Yes and no. There's going to be something inspired by a Scottish artist called Joan Ertley, um, who worked in the 1950s painting street children and street urchin of, of Glasgow, and I absolutely love her paintings. So there's going to be one inspired by her, there's going to be one inspired by Margaret Atwood, the Canadian author, and one inspired by the American photographer Cindy Sherman. Those are the four that I, I know I'll be focusing on so far. The Bayer got A.S. Byard, Margaret Atwood, and then the two artists, Joan Ertley and Cindy Sherman. And it's not like Doggerland. There's no sort of prescribed uh, dates that these things are going to be no. released on. They're just going to drop, like, a really special yeah. penny from heaven. Yeah, I think Surprise. I knew that after the, the very tough schedule of Doggerland. Um, and also because I do a lot of commissions and another a lot of other projects in between. So these drop when I when I have time to squeeze in something that I've myself. On the topic of Doggerland, last time we spoke, you uh, weren't able to tell much about your next big project, your big focus. Is there anything that you can tell us about that now? Yes. Um, I can say as much that Doggerland is going to be the first instalment in a trilogy of collections um, that all have, they all have a unifying theme. Well, 
theme of, of transition, of things that are quite periods or things or spaces that are quite unstable and you're moving from one bit to another. With, with Doggerland, you, you were knitting beaches that are sort of both the sea and the land. Liminal. Yeah, liminal spaces. And you also sort of knitted pieces from a landscape that was disappearing. So um, the next one is going to focusing, going to be focusing on something that is is more. It's it's terribly conceptual, but going from one aspect of you in the world to another one, and it's going to be. I'm working on it now. I've been working on it for a wee while, but yeah, it's one of those things that take a lot of time to work out. So is there any sort of indication as to when we might expect to hear more about that? Not necessarily asking you when, when it will be out, but when there might be something more to tell. Um, give me a couple of moments, because things are not fixed. Okay. Which is very apt for something that's, that's not fixed, <laughs> and which will be sort of the overarching theme of all three things. Um, I know more about the, the conclusion, actually, than I do about the middle, which is interesting. Oh. Yeah. What about the format? Is it going to be uh, an e-format again, or are we gonna, can we expect a printed book? It is going to be an e-format, unless I get incredibly rich. You never very, know. Very quickly. Um, so no, it is going to be an e-book format, but hopefully I can I can manage to do it in a way that's a bit more collaborative this time, because last time it was just me and my, my partner. Yeah. The thing that I really love about Doggerland is the fact that you really lay it out there that, you, that what inspires you and how you're inspired and I love the essays and I know a lot of people love the essays that accompany that and it takes a lot to sort of I think it does take a lot to put yourself out there and go this this is me you know this is this is not just what I knit but this is actually where it comes from um, um, it can be quite a it's, a it's an emotional attachment as well it's, it's well yes but also it's but also it's about sort of actually thinking things through because I can be I'm very good at overthinking things and not really knowing how to put things down the way I want them to be. So that's part of the process and I want to get it right. That's quite exciting actually, the fact that it's going to be a trilogy. So the, the fact that, you, do you know what the third part's going to be? Is, or are you just not going to work on that at all? Um, <laughs> just see what evolves from this. Just see, because I know, don't know what's going to happen. Things are always in flux. The other thing that I wanted to ask you about that we talked about last time was we talked about resolutions and how it can be quite limiting to set yourself New Year's resolutions but you came up with this idea of picking on a word and your word was own and I just wonder how that has evolved in this first few months of the year. It's been quite a good little talisman to have actually because when you're doing this as a living and you're working on your own um, and you're a creative you can have a lot of things going on at the same time and you need to juggle a lot of balls in the air um, so having something to, to sort of keep you a lodestone really to keep you going and, and just remember don't say yes to things that don't feel right sort of follow what I believe in do things that I'm actually passionate about and own what it is I do because I'm, I'm very guilty of, of sort of going, oh, no, that's nothing. Oh, no, you know. And, and actually go, yeah, I actually did that. I actually made that. I actually, yeah, and to just own up to that and, yeah, and take ownership of that, yeah. yeah. Does anybody have any questions for Carrie? Just, I mean, I like tangible books rather than necessarily e-books. Would you consider producing the next one as a, as a sort of a crowdfunded book? You know what, that never occurred to me. 
that never occurred to me. I'm, I'm very good at having lots of creative ideas and then the practicalities are sort of second nature, sort of, you know, something I just think about after the fact. I never thought about crowdfunding. That's interesting. That's actually a good idea. Yeah. That also might be a nice idea when the full trilogy is yes. done. Yes. People would like the physical. Yes. And, and I'm quite... I can, okay, I can say as much about the second instalment that is, uh, is going to be about materiality as well and, and the physicality of, 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 of items. So, yeah. Mm. Which is quite, again, I'll, I'll try to work out a way to describe it to people. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> Any questions about her designs at all? Or? You all too shy? You've got, I can see there's, there's a question on your lips. I just want to know what um, inspired you to start designing your own stuff, you know, what, what made you first do it? Um, what first got me started was a friend at midnight telling me that, well, do you mean sort of professionally or, or just in general? Just generally. Just generally. Um, I think it was a frustration that I couldn't actually find things that I liked. And I spent so much time searching for things that I had in my head but I couldn't find didn't exist yet. <laughs> and that didn't exist yet so I sort of started doing things for myself and then what happened one night at, at my knitting group is a friend who's a yarn dial made an art came to me and said I'm going to knit um, knit nation in London uh, and I'm launching a new yarn and you and then she plays a couple of games on the table and you're going to design something because I'm tired of all this nonsense and that was my first show. I'm tired of all this nonsense. Yes. Um, and that's probably been a theme throughout that, that people have needed to, to slow, go, go on, Kerry, do it. Because I'm, I'm very good at just living in my own head. And sometimes, like, like Meg, who just sort of said to me, would you ever consider crowdfunding? That never occurred to me. Yeah. But it is true, I think, there is an element of, I want to do this, but I can't do this. I'm not going to do this. And when other people then come up to it's like podcasting. Like, I just do it. And then when people come up to me and say, I really liked that, then I go, oh, well, just like, mm. it's the, that kind of encouragement, I think. It, it brings out what you already really do deep inside, but you just couldn't. For me, I'm still surprised when I meet people that wear stuff that I've designed because I know on a, on a, on a sort of one level that, that people are out there knitting my stuff, but then I see people wearing my things and I go, Actually, these people exist, they're not a figment of imagination because I just sit at home all the time. And I live a lot in my head. I mean, I think knitters tend to be quite introvert as a rule. Um, so I'm, I'm guessing a lot of people know exactly what I mean with, you know, you sit down and you just think things through and you don't really think about the outside world a lot. No. Is that very much what, what your working day is like? Is very much just you and then do you yeah this is it is just me I, I had a lady yesterday asking if, if I wanted an intern and I said I would love one but I wouldn't know what to do with you because <laughs> I am my working days I get up I have breakfast and I sit down at the computer and I type things into spreadsheets I work a lot with spreadsheets if you follow me on Twitter you will know this I talk about spreadsheets on an obsessive label <laughs> level but mostly I just sit at home and I do all these things and then my partner sort of comes and, and gives me feedback with, you know, which she's very good at, sort of, I really love those colours, have you considered maybe, you know, mixing a third colour, things like that. But, and then occasionally I go out and teach and I meet amazing people without, you know, 
but mainly it's just me and then I come to, to an event like this and it's like whoa so what's the process after you've mm. uh, after you've designed something you've mm -hmm. got a pattern do you do you send that out to people before you before you publish it or is it yes. yeah I always have my patterns tech edited I work with a with a number of tech editors very closely depending upon what type of pattern it is some people are better at doing say garments tech editing um, and I, I have a very sort of rigorous routine there yeah so things can be finished for months before I actually go through that process of getting them ready and do you use test knitters or do you just knit everything yourself it depends I begun using sample knitters more because I cannot physically actually manage my workload because I do the whole sitting in front of the computer from 8 till 5 or 9 to 6 pretty much every day and then knit in the evening and sometimes I do actually have to go I need somebody to knit for me. That must be more uh, uh, highlighted now that you have been uh, working for yourself. Is it nearly a year now? Nine months. Crazy nine months. Yeah. Full-time indie design girl. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> how, now looking back because when we last spoke it was still all quite new. Mm -hmm. How how are you feeling now that you've sort of, how do you feel you've sort of slipped into that role? Or is it still quite a, 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 a learning curve? It's still a learning curve. Every single day I learn something new about what it is I'm doing and how to do it best and how to best streamline things because I don't want 12 hour working days, let's be honest. No, you don't. Um, <laughs> but at the same time, I cannot help but feel that I've been incredibly, not lucky because I don't believe in luck, I believe in hard work, but I have been well lucky or privileged to actually do quite well already and have people who like my things and my and, and sort of get what I'm trying to do and get excited about what's forthcoming as yes, well yes that as well I mean I, I keep going on how sometimes it's difficult to explain to people taxi drivers what it is you do for a living um, and then it's just coming here and people just get it and people I can talk to people and I can go, oh, liminal spaces, and people go, yeah. <laughs> um, it's really nice. Um, and I'm really, yeah, I'm really happy to be in my position. Um, mm -hmm. But it's hard work. It's a lot of work. And I have to do things that I never thought I'd have to do. Like, like I need to, to know how to procure right sort of weight of paper for things and, <laughs> and, and work at costings and, yeah, a lot of practicalities. Well, but but then it's one of these things, isn't it? That it's a learning curve, isn't it? And I think it, you you learn more about yourself in the process. I would also say because I was talking to my partner that, about this yesterday night that he came home and he's like, "Oh my God, it's a really strong, vibrant community of really passionate women, and it's so positive, and it's so." I hesitate to use the word because some people think it's a dirty word, which is not. It's so feminist and so so really really empowering. And I was like, "Yeah, what do you?" Yeah, that is one thing that I felt yesterday is that sense of community was, I mean, that's one of my favorite things that are, are knitting communities, but the sense of community here was palpable. And actually, if I think about it too long, it, it makes me feel quite emotional because, yeah, it does though, because I, it was very I, strong. I'm just, I'm just really happy to be, to be working in an industry where we got so many fantastic women working and producing work and yes it's hard work but there's some fantastic creative people out there and they're really passionate about enriching the knitting world because yeah. because I mean yes it is a business obviously but it's also about bringing something out there that hasn't existed before yeah. and and just sharing that experience with others and experience and sharing those ideas and thoughts and feelings with others and and 
and it goes both ways actually yeah. because I mean people here you I've had such lovely positive feedback and so many fantastic conversations over the last 24 hours yeah. <laughs> but it's true and it, again it's that it's that sharing um, you know it's uh, between between teacher and designer and between between the knitters and the general and also public. just uh, it, this is a really important point to make actually because because i talk about being creative and all that but but i'm surrounded right here by people who are amazing creators each and every one of the people here you just make stuff and you make it with your own hands and you feel that process and you choose the yarn, you choose the colors and you choose the projects and you make something that's yours and yours alone and it's so unique and it's a fantastic feeling, isn't it? Like every single person here is, has something in their hand. Amazing, yeah. I, I, as I say, every time I go out and teach or every time I go to events, I meet amazing people. And I meet a lot of people going, oh, no, this is nothing. You know, oh, yes. no, I just followed a pattern. It's like, no, it's let's not, not just Let's not be modest. That. Let's not be modest. Yes. Yeah, let's own it. Thing. And, we, and we're all guilty of it. We all go, oh, I'm just a knitter. Or, or people you know. point out mistakes and, yes. and sort of look, on, yeah, look under my, yes. my, my arm. I, I made a, a, I didn't knit a pearl when I should yes. be knitting. Well, yes, like, don't show me. Yesterday I had your, your Hawksner shawl on and I said, oh, don't look at it. There's holes where there shouldn't be holes. I told you all. Because you made that, you yeah. make, and it's a long creative process for you. It, you knit your own life into that project. And that, well, that was the first time I used lace weight yarn. It was the first time mm-hmm. I used, um, uh, actually, first time I used singles yarn. It was mm-hmm. the first. So it's and it, and can I just point out? This is what knitting is about as well. It's about telling stories, and we're telling the story of our lives through knitting, through every single stitch. Yeah. It is amazing, and I actually took that shawl down to Laura's looms because it was her yarn that yeah. I used, and then she was really chuffed about it as well. Yeah, just lovely. It's, it's it goes, it keeps going, it keeps going. Ripples in the water. Yeah, it keeps yeah. going, it keeps going. Does anyone else have any questions for Carrie? Oh, oh, hands straight up there. Hang on a minute. I've been knitting the socks for the Old Maiden Aunt Sock Club collaboration, and it's really exciting to see Carrie going into designing socks. What's the next new challenge that you haven't done yet that you want to do? Oh, that's a fantastic question. Well, doing an interview in front of a lot of people is one of them. (laughs) (laughs) Um, um, So, yeah, this whole experience this weekend has probably been a challenge for me because I'm quite shy. I know I don't come across it right now, um, but I'm an introvert and oh my God, people. <laughs> so this has been a challenge, but and, and I'll sleep all day Monday, uh, which is tomorrow, oh my tomorrow. God. Um, but yeah, the next Nitaly challenge, um, I am gonna delve more into different garment constructions and do more, and do garments, more garments. I've done a couple now and I shall be doing more. I'm also thinking about various ways of constructing shawls that are slightly different from what we're used to. So I think more than anything, rather than a type of item, um, it's going to be more challenging how I can make them, make the things or shape the things. And that's part also of what's to come in the second big collection, yeah. Does that answer your question? <laughs> okay. And what about your, because you've done a lot of um, magazine uh, work, and is there, can we expect to see more of that as well? Yeah, I'm doing more magazine work. I'm doing more collaborations. Um, I seriously no, need to learn how to say no to things. <laughs> um, that's possibly also a challenge for me going forward. 
but yeah, I'm doing more magazine work. It's slightly crazy. <laughs> Uh, but in a good way. In a good way, yes. I mustn't grumble. Anybody else got any questions for Carrie? Oh, I've got another one over here. Hang on. I, I know you did a sock club this year, and I was just too late off the mark to join. Is that something that you'd be looking to do in the future as well? Um, the patterns themselves will come out in general release. Um, in terms of clubs, possibly not anymore this year, because my... Yeah... Um, I can only work so many hours um, and I already know what I'm doing self-publishing wise until end of 2016. Wow. So, yeah, I like to plan things. <laughs> no wonder you have so many spreadsheets. <laughs> she got it in one. Um, so probably not more this year, no. But the patterns in there will come out in, in general release, yeah. Excellent. Superb. Because you take much ple- so much pleasure in what you do, how do you separate your working day from what is actually pleasurable for you? How do I separate what I do with what I do for pleasure? Well, it is kind of, I have no work-life balance. Um, that's possibly the, the, the real answer. Um, I do make sure that I spend time doing things like actually just going for walks and not do anything with my hands but it's so hard because my hands are always always itching Um, and I am probably going to try and find a non-fibre related hobby I'll probably go back to painting or something like that Yeah. do you find it easy at the end of your working day to go that's working carry finished now or do you it's one of my goals for the year own it (laughs) (laughs) it's one of the goals definitely I needed to separate and have sort of set schedules set set hours Um, I'm getting better at it I now actually have set office hours where I can reply to emails and if anybody's ever emailed me recently they'll get an auto reply (laughs) which is a really good thing but again I had to be told by people oh you can put an auto reply on because I don't think about these things Auto reply is a fantastic yeah. thing. But yeah, I should probably start to separate and, have, and, and see my lovely partner now and then, not just on photo shoot. Okay, um, so you're asking if I'm designing something and I'm really excited to knit it, does that still count as work? Yes. I'm currently wearing a yellow cardigan, which we actually talked about in yeah. the previous podcast, like and that is cardigan. my first non-work knitting since 2011. Everything else I've been doing since 2011 has been work knitting. But it's... That's got to change. But (laughs) on the other hand, it's fun. But it must must be really quite nice to pick up a pattern by somebody else and go, I'm going to knit this rather than knit something that I've designed. (laughs) Um, It is nice insofar as when I knit my own designs, I have to watch like a hawk with whether or not the the numbers work and whether or not I should remove that comma or should that be a semicolon and should I actually put a full stop there and start a new paragraph. (laughs) Whereas if it's somebody else's pattern, I fudge. (laughs) Yes. I'm currently wearing a cardigan where I fudge pretty much all the numbers because I couldn't make it work. The the pattern itself worked mathematically and it was beautiful written and all that, but for me and my body I just went, Yeah, I'll fudge it. (laughs) And it was such a relief for the first time for like four years to actually do that. Because prior to me doing designing for a living, I used to work for a yarn company doing pattern support for them. it's nice to knit from somebody else, but I also feel slightly like I'm cheating. <laughs> like I'm cheating on myself or something like that. Yes! 
you were just saying that that's your first um, sort of pleasurable knitting someone else's for a long time. When you're knitting for pleasure, are you more aware of well-written patterns or patterns that you don't think are well-written? Because I know as a knitter, I find sometimes if I'm knitting something, I appreciate it when it's well-written and doesn't leave me frustrated. I think that goes to the territory as well, because I also work as a tech editor, so I do notice. I, I actually read knitting patterns for fun. I don't knit it, but I actually read it and that's one of the things that I learned when I was working for the yarn company was I knit it in my head when I'm reading it and I can sort of see the construction and how it works and, and how it's going to look at the end. Um, so when I read a pattern, whether I usually it would be sort of, you know, just for fun to read it through and yes, I do notice the difference. Um, and I, I sometimes do feel tempted to take out my little red pen <laughs> and go, yeah, we can change that. Because recently I came across a 20-page long sock pattern and I just thought I could boil that down to three pages. Yeah. 20? Yeah. But conversely, I, I translate knitting patterns occasionally from Danish, I'm Danish originally, into English. And I've had Danish sweater or jumper designers sort of doing a one-page A4 design with, you know, their own short row shaping and unusual construction. And I have had to tell them, I'm going to take that up to five pages. I'm sorry, but that's not working. But yeah, I do notice it. Does anybody else have any questions for Kali? Anybody down at the bottom? Leona? It's Leona. Leona's put her hands over her mouth. She's got a good question. I better go over. Hang on a wee minute. Do you have one? Karina, will you come live in my basement, please? <laughs> <laughs> she keeps saying she wants, but she still tries to steal my dogs. If you leave the dogs there, she might. <laughs> People, it's like a marriage proposal. You can't. <laughs> this is this is a bit of a joke, um, actually, between myself and Leona. Leona owns Fluff up in Dundee, which I I frequent occasionally. Um, and the first time I ever met Leona, she was like, oh my God, you're so cute. I'm going to tie you up and keep you in my basement. <laughs> and um, that didn't scare me off at all. Um, so yeah, ever since I've met her, I've told everybody that story. And I'm now telling the entire world via the podcast. Thank you very Thank much, Leona. Yeah. But yes, of course I'll come and live in your basement. Yeah. <laughs> sure. You do know this isn't a video podcast. Maybe people can't see the, the fear in your eyes. <laughs> Well, that's it. We actually are running out of time. So thank you so much to Carrie for coming into the podcast lounge and having a chat with us. And uh, thank you, everybody, so much for all your questions. And round of applause, everybody. <laughs> thank you so much. Thanks so much to Carrie for being a, a great sport and agreeing to be interviewed in the podcast lounge in front of a live podcast lounge audience. Before I go, I need to let you know about a special pattern release because Carrie's first garment, the Scully cardigan, is being released on Monday the 20th. This was a design that featured in Knit Now magazine and the rights have reverted back to her and she's going to release that pattern on Monday. The Scully cardigan is a gorgeous pattern knitted in British wool of course and I am very honoured to have that pattern named after me and Carrie's first garment the first of many and if you missed the Knit Now issue with the Scully cardigan you'll be able to purchase that pattern yourself on from Monday the 20th of April and 
I did promise that we would have a nitbitish scholarly cow. So I need to think on that one, don't I, chaps? Of course, at the moment, you know, the, the hap along going on. So, but let's, I want to organise that and, and do a, do a scholarly cow. And I already have the yarn or three different kinds of yarn. Uh, <laughs> but do go check out carrybookish.net from Monday for the news of that pattern release and do subscribe to Carrie's blog while you're there at carriebookish.net formerly 4 edition.co.uk if you subscribe to the blog you will get her posts straight to your inbox which I have to say is such a delight when I see that there's a new Carrie Bookish post thank you so much to her and congratulations to her for self-publishing of the scholarly cardigan I can't wait to make my own one and be a scholarly in a scholarly uh, <laughs> thanks so much to Carrie and thank you so much for listening and I will be back again next week with another episode of the Knit British Podcast thanks for listening to the Knit British Podcast to find out more visit www.knitbritish.net you can email me louise at knitbritish.net I'm on Twitter and Instagram as at knit underscore British and I'm on Ravelry as Lyra. You can listen to the podcast via iTunes, Stitcher Radio and knitbritish.net. Bye.